Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right, we got a good one for you today. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today, everybody. Adam Azer, Scott White, Heath Cummings, and the triumphant return of a very sick Chris Towers. How you feeling there, buddy? How you feeling, Chris? Better, thank you. Thank you. Feeling fine. Okay, good. We were worried about you. Everybody was very worried. Now, listen, I deprived our listeners and Kreef and Scott of the Players We Love show that we usually do on Valentine's Day. This is basically going to be that show. We're talking about our favorite breakouts today. We're going to get the breakout o meter out. I'll say a bunch of p- players' names, and you'll tell me how likely they are to break out. It is a decent round of Team Name Tuesday, but a great round of emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Now, we heard Chris is feeling like, okay. Heath, how are you feeling today? Fantastic. This is the best show of the year. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Scott, how about you? Are, are we sure the players we love are, are breakout for us? I mean, what if it was somebody we said during the sleeper show? It, it, this is not necessarily somebody? the player you love. It's it, these are players you love. We, I will. You know what? Oh, on Friday, on let it, let's commit here. All right, uh, on Thursday. On Thursday, we will all announce the one player that we are owning, the, 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 the love of our fantasy lives in 2019. That will be on Thursday. But, Scott, kick off the Tuesday show with your favorite breakout for 2019. Ugh. Well, if this isn't the player <laughs> I love, it's certainly a player I have strong, strong feelings for. And that is Jesse Winker, who might be my most drafted outfielder. And that, you know, I was excited about him even before, uh, the news of him coming to spring training, supposedly at 100% health after having shoulder surgery last season. David Bell, the new, the new manager in Cincinnati, confirming that he likes him as an everyday player and in fact might bat him lead off because his on base skills are so good. So what was maybe an at bat concern before then is now one of Winker's strengths. But what I love most about Jesse Winker is the batted ball profile. The fact he walked more than he struck out in his first extended look in the majors last season. His line drive rate, uh, the, 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 the all, the all fields hitting, um, the, the entire batted ball profile. It looks like the typical Joey Votto season. Joey Votto had kind of a weird year last year, but the typical Votto season, Winker looks just like it. He's going, he profiles for a high average. He, he profiles for a very high on-base percentage. And the biggest gripe would be, okay, in the upper minors, he didn't hit for a lot of power. Well, already he's shown more power in the majors. And given the, the distribution of the home runs hit last year, the fact that there wasn't very many early on and then there was a big surge right before he succumbed to surgery, I, I still think there's 20, maybe even 25 homer upside here. And with everything else he's providing... I mean, he may be an out-and-out stud in points leagues, and even in Roto, the fact that you're getting batting average help with decent power that late, should he should still be really good. Jesse Winker is going 199th overall right now, according to Fantasy Pros. So he is a top 200 player. How about that? Scott, do you have concerns about the lefty-righty splits? He batted 211, slugged 333 against lefties last season, and he is a lefty. I mean, to the extent it could impact playing time with Matt Kemp there, I'm a little concerned. But again, I, David Bell so far has indicated that he wants Winker at the top of his lineup. He wants him there at least close to every day. I don't think it's going to impact playing time a ton. And to what extent it does will be made up for the fact by he's batting so high in the order. Yeah, it's very strange right now because I'm on his player page on CBSSports.com and I'm watching a video of us talking about him. Um, so that's weird. But that's cool. Yeah, we're on video now in case you guys don't know. You can see it on CBSSports.com. And uh, if you go to a, a player page, for example, you'll see a bunch of our videos and you'll get to know what we look like. In this video that I'm watching, Chris is wearing a very nice cardigan. Must have been cold that day, Chris. 
I think that was one of the days that it got a little chilly. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was in the 50s. I think Last you're wearing week, a very nice yeah. shirt today. Adam? Is he wearing a nice shirt? Yeah, it does nice. look like he's wearing a nice shirt. Yeah. Uh, Heath, who's Chris your doesn't need an excuse to wear a cardigan. <laughs> no, Chris, Chris loves getting the fall wear out. Uh, Heath, who's your favorite breakout? Well, I, I've talked about it a lot. I think everyone knows now I'm a believer, not a trace oh. of doubt in my mind. Uh, Shane Bieber last year was <laughs> phenomenal in every way except that he threw too many strikes. He has remarkable control, has shown it all through the minor leagues, showed it again last year. What he showed last year that we were a little concerned about was that he can miss bats a little bit too. Had a swinging strike rate in the double digits, which is plenty good for him with his control and his ground ball rate. And I think even as much as we've talked about Shane Bieber, we've maybe undersold what his upside is. Unlike all these other young pitchers, he doesn't have any innings concerns. Between the minor leagues and the majors last year, he threw over 190 innings. He's on a team that gives him a chance to win like like a Rick Porcello total of games, 16, 17, 18 games. And he could legitimately give you a low threes ERA. This is a guy who's available in the 12th, 13th, 14th round of some drafts. And he's a dark horse Cy Young candidate. Heath, would you rather have Shane Bieber or you Darvish? Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber or Cole Hamels? Oh, Bieber easily. There, Bieber's there was, good. There was a, a really interesting piece on <laughs> CBSSports.com last week from Alex Chamberlain that kind of, it didn't like knock down the Bieber hype, right. but it went through and, and tried to understand why it might not necessarily have been bad luck that he so badly underperformed his uh, peripherals last right. year and one of the really interesting things that he found was Bieber got a lot of strikeouts with his fastball, even though he had a well below average swinging strike rate with it. On the other hand, he didn't get a lot of fast strikeouts with his slider, which was a really, really good swinging strike pitch. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two things work. I think, like you said, he probably throws too many strikes and, you know, the, the starts where he walked more guys and it's usually only two. <laughs> But he was better in those starts than when he didn't walk anyone. Okay. So Shane Bieber, he's going about 150th overall, 158th, according to Fantasy Pros. That's Heath's favorite breakout. Scott's favorite breakout is Jesse Winker. All right. You know what, Chris? You deserve You deserve. Oh, it. I get one? Yeah. Well, actually, oh. first, uh, Heath, do you know who sings that song, I'm a Believer? Uh, well, multiple people have sung that song, but originally it was the Monkees. Right. But we were looking for Smash Mouth. Obviously, they did. Well, it the monkeys are a lot better than Smash Mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, who do you, who's breaking out this year? Either. Who is breaking out this year? Okay, let's go with Josh Bell. Hasn't got a lot of talk on this podcast so far, but I think there's some really interesting stuff going on with him. Full season statistics are typically more predictive than half season statistics. However, he was a swing change guy last year, and he got off to a miserable start. However, in the second half of the season, you did start to see him elevate the ball more. His strikeout-to-walk ratio improved. It was almost one-to-one in the second half. There's raw power here. You know, he hits the ball. When he hits a line drive or fly ball, it's 94 miles per hour. So there is power there. It's just about getting it into games, and he started doing that more in the second half. He's got good plate discipline. He doesn't strike out that much. I think there's a chance Josh Bell breaks into the top 12 at, at first base. Yeah, he's got great play discipline. In fact, 383 on base percentage after the All-Star break with seven homers in 50 games. Uh, so, Bell, if, maybe maybe better if you don't have batting average. Uh, if you're an OBP league or a points league, take a look at Josh Bell. So that's Jesse Winker, Shane Bieber, and Josh Bell as breakouts. And we'll have more for you a little bit later. Guys, let's do some news and notes. Uh, Mike Fultonevich will not be ready for opening day. He has elbow soreness. Mike Soroka won't be ready for opening day. He has shoulder issues. Scott, which Braves pitchers are you drafting? Well, I think Tuki Toussaint's definitely in, especially the way his past two starts have went, have gone. And you can call him a late round sleep. There's a lot of strikeout potential there. Maybe some inconsistencies with the control, but hopefully that's something he can work out. And Kyle Wright's been the big riser for the Braves this spring, the fifth overall pick in the draft in 2017. Uh, he, he spent the offseason working with his old co- coaches at Vanderbilt. Also, his old Vanderbilt teammate, Walker Bueller, picked up a cutter from him. And he, I think he has like 11 strikeouts in eight innings this spring, has, has really impressed the Braves with how much better he looks after what was kind of a disappointing season. 
I spent mostly at double A last year. So Fulton beginning the year on the IL in all likelihood, I, I think right at least gets one turn at the start there and obviously is is higher in the pecking order than we may have assumed at the start of the season. So in deeper leagues, I consider him, Kyle Wright, a bit of a sleeper as well. Is Toussaint a mixed league guy? Sure, you could draft him in a mixed league late. Uh, you know, there's there's a chance with all of the Braves' young pitchers, you know, whenever Sor- Soroka's healthy again, he gets back in the mix. There's there's probably be going to be some exchanging over the course of the season, just swapping out guys to help keep them all fresh and help preserve their innings until late in the year. Uh, it won't be it won't be a true one through five for the Braves. They have just too many talented arms to do that. Uh, one through four is probably set with when everybody's healthy with Fultonevich, Gosman, Tehran, and Sean Newcomb. But that that fifth spot's probably going to swap out a lot. All right, Clayton Kershaw through a good bullpen session. He's making progress. Actually, does have a chance to be ready for opening day. Chris Sale threw a simulated game yesterday. His velocity was in the 91 to 93 mile per hour range. And, you know, Chris, this is certainly no time to panic on Chris Sale, but we probably need to watch the velocity because it was down significantly at the end of last year. Yeah, and it wasn't just like he started throwing softer. It was coinciding with a shoulder injury that he was dealing with in the second half last season. Um, Yeah, the, the thing is, he was throwing like 97, 99 miles an hour for most of last season. So if he's back in the 93, 95 mile per hour range by the start of the season, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned. 91, 92, let's say sitting averaging 92 with his fastball. That makes me a little uneasy, but he's still so good. And the, the swing strike rates have been so consistently good throughout his career. He has the, the best strikeout to walk ratio in major league history. I think he might have the best K per nine. So, it's hard to be too concerned. I don't think you drop him on your draft board if he's throwing 93 miles per hour by opening day. Okay, that's Chris Sale. Well, we don't want to drop him on our draft board, you know, at opening day. Be a little late, Chris Towers. Craig Council confirmed Mike Moustakas will be uh, Milwaukee's starting second baseman. Um, this is kind of yeah. underrated big news the way he said it. He said it's a foregone conclusion. And I just think, like, we've talked a lot about how we're, we're not sure that Mike Moustakos will actually be able to play second base every day. But if he is, he's an enormous value on, in drafts right now. He's a 12th round pick. He's been a top eight and top nine second baseman each of the last two seasons. And that's playing most of his home games in Kansas City. Moustakas could very easily be a top five second baseman this season if he can hold on to playing second base. I, I just really, That's, I worry that it's not going to be tenable. Um, you know, they can say that now and they can say that in April, but if they're mm-hmm. five games back of the division in the middle of May and he's playing abysmal second base, even if he's hitting well, they've got enough yeah. guys who can hit. Right. We just, we're we only, know. we're only looking at that side of it right now. We've not acknowledged the sure, idea. No, that he I just play I, there, second base. I agree, and and there's 40 homer upside there too. Easily, there are plenty of people. I mean, he went in the sixth round of my Tower Wars draft. So are there are plenty of people who are not only looking at the other side, but completely caving to the other side. And I'm I'm still like, there's a difference. He named him the primary second baseman, and like he said, it was a foregone conclusion. Who else were they going to go with? Did they sign him to that money to be a bench player? I don't think so. So yes, we knew he was going to be the primary second baseman. Some of Council's comments yesterday also we're talking about how the range isn't very good and they're hoping to combat it with careful positioning. Like they weren't already positioning their fielders carefully. So I, I still have my doubts. He's going to start more than three quarters of the time there. And there's going to be a lot of late inning substitutions. I would suspect I I'm just, I'm still, I'm still thinking the at bats aren't going to be there for him to live up to the extent of his potential. And that probably the ADP is deserved for Moustakis. Okay, so everybody tell me when you would consider drafting Mike Moustakis. Current ADP is 137th overall in a 12-team league. That's the end of round 12, or uh, the middle of round 12. Uh, Chris Heath Scott, when would you draft Mike Moustakis? 10th, 11th I wouldn't draft him that early. I'd I'd probably, it'd probably be more in like the 150 range for me. What What is Robinson Cano's ADP? Do you have that pulled up? Of course, that I think feels like it's been rest. consistently low throughout. One twelve. Yeah, I'd rather have one twelve. Okay, so twenty it's spots ahead. Way. Yeah, 
Heath, how about you? So Chris said round 10, 11. Scott said in the 150s. How about you? Yeah, I've got him at 123, so I think 10, 11 is perfect. And I, I think I'd, I'd put him right there with Cano. Okay. And he's not second base eligible yet, right? No, Stock it's going to take yeah. at least a week. Okay. Uh, Marcelo Zuna started in left field for the first time in spring training. That's good news. Miguel Cabrera pulled off the hidden ball trick. That was also good news. The Reds used relief pitcher Michael Lorenzen in center field yesterday. <laughs> you think that's just, hey, it's spring training, go have fun, or is there a chance that Lorenzen I mean, gets in the mix? As like a double switch where you want to play matchup? Because he's, is he a lefty? Nope. Okay, so maybe you have him in the game. You bring in a lefty to face a lefty. You come back like that. We've seen this before. Okay. Not that fantasy relevant then for Michael Lorenzen. Um, Kyle Seeger is going to miss at least April with the wrist, uh, finger surgery for Kyle Seeger. Ryan Healy is going to play third base in the meantime, and he's got some pop, not a lot of batting average, but 25 home runs in 2017, 24 home runs in 133 games in 2018. Meanwhile, Seattle sent, uh, pitcher Justice Sheffield to AAA. Scott, does that, you know, it's not that big of a surprise. Um, I know we talked no, about Sheffield I, yesterday. I don't get it. What don't you get, Chris? I don't understand. Like, why, what's the point? Of? He's, he pitched well last season in the minors. What, he doesn't really seem to have much left. It's not like this is a rotation overstocked with viable options. I don't understand what the Mariners are doing. I, I think Justin Sheffield should be in their opening day rotation. I don't get it. Well, they might, if, if nothing else, there's the service time issue. They probably want to give Felix Hernandez one last chance to, uh, to see if he can, I, I know he's been working on a curve, throwing a curveball more and maybe he can salvage the end of his career that way. Uh, I'm also he, he not has sure they're awful this spring. I don't he's, have much hope, but I can good. understand why the Mariners, you know, he's one of their best players ever, why they wouldn't want to pull the plug on him so quickly. Uh, uh, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know that it's fully certain Sheffield is capable of being a starter. I, I don't like. I but that doesn't I still matter. I kind of feel like he's going to go the Josh Hader route. What, what do you mean it doesn't matter? What do you mean it, it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter right? It doesn't matter right now. It doesn't matter right now for the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, like they they, yeah, they should find out whether he can start in the majors. Well, they're, they're not compete. Like the Brewers were making a run. That's why they threw Josh Hader in the bullpen because they needed the help. Now you can't root his confidence, Chris them. Towers. You gotta let this guy go if out there and learn. If you don't think he can be a, if well, you don't think he can be a time element, I right? Mean, you that's... can wait. You if you have nothing like you can wait until June and do that. I'm not saying they won't do it, right? But, but no uh, yeah, I don't do it right now. I just don't think there's performance reasons for sending him down when Wade LeBlanc's going to be the fifth starter. All right, well that's Justice Sheffield, and uh, I know he was drafted in our 30 man roster roto league. Uh, I, I don't anticipate he'll be drafted in a lot of leagues, but there's there's something there. He was part of the uh, James Paxton trade. Finally, Angels outfielder Joe Adele is out 10 to 12 weeks minor leaguer with a uh, sprained ankle and a strained hamstring. Okay, here's what's coming up on the rest of the show. Breakouts, breakouts, breakouts. So Heath and Scott will give some more, and of course you can read their columns on cbsports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. At the end of the show, we'll do the breakout meter I will give some trendy names, and you will tell me how likely they are to break out, and I will also give some non-trendy names. Like uh, Gregory Polanco, I think, has a chance to break out this year. And uh, I'm going to throw in Jackie Bradley Jr. so Chris can talk about him. But uh, we've got some stuff I just want to tell you about. There, You know, you need to know about position battles. There's a great story on CBSSports.com with the big position battle for every single team. We're doing AL-only and NL-only mock drafts uh, for the website today and tomorrow. So on Thursday, we'll talk about those formats. You have to listen to the ion. You have to. Demanding. Uh, you listen to the Ion College Basketball podcast. Obviously, this is a great time to do it. I always make sure I listen to their uh, their post selection show podcast before I fill out my bracket. And the podcast league. All right, everybody, you want to get into the podcast league? Here's how we do. Actually, confession. I don't know how we're gonna do it. I all I know is when it is. It's Monday, March 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you cannot do the draft on Monday, March 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern, please do not submit an entry to the Podcast League. If you can draft with us, this is a 12-team points league. We'll select eight of you to join us. Monday, March 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern, you are going to send an email 
to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, and you are going to put podcast league in the subject line. And guys, what are we going to ask our listeners to do to get into the podcast league? Chris, you're usually very good at things like this. Especially when you put them on the spot. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. Um, okay, so we've done... We've done like limericks in the past. I think we didn't do we did haikus, not haikus, limericks, because okay. they sometimes uh, can't be read on the podcast. I mean, well, then make them do make them something you could read on the podcast. Is that what we're yeah, doing? Yeah, I, I I think we go with limericks. I think we go with song parodies, um, preferably in the style of weird Alan Yankovic. Um, <laughs> those are my two thoughts right now. I think. Song parodies in the style of Weird Al Yankovic would be my my first what, thought. What if we just say something creative? That's too you can't you gotta give a prompt. Something you know, like if you were I, in school and the teacher said, Hey, write something, you would be justifiably angry because you would have no idea what the expectations were, what a good well, one versus a bad one is. A song parody, you know. You I'm know trying to let yeah, these people think for not themselves. Not everybody's not everybody's wheelhouse is a song parody. Right. Not everybody gets to go in the writing. podcast league. That's. I think we got it. You got to have rules. All right, so you got to have limits. Think, Scott, go ahead. What, what? What? I feel like you have a suggestion here. Oh, I don't have a suggestion. Oh, okay. I just what I thought. Just criticizing Chris. Sitting, you sit in your ivory tower, and you criticize, <laughs> and you don't have anything better. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe like an ivory tower. I've been working on this team name for Team Name Tuesday because it is Team Name Tuesday, and this seems like the only day of the week that Adam doesn't read team names. <laughs> no, I'm reading um, them. They're in the show notes. Okay. What about no justice, no JPs? Okay. JP I mean, Crawford. it could just be the best team names. Jeez. No Justice, no JPs. You are the it. worst at Team Name Tuesday. You are so I think it's bad. pretty good. I think it's going to be one of my team names this year. I mean, oh, look, of course it, it will be. It I can't, can't be the worst one. I can't ever live up to... It can't be the worst Yasmani Money, Tomas Paul. All right, so Team Name Tuesday, Chris, just so Literally you know. Nothing. Today, uh, Team Name Tuesday is going to be brought to you by... You say... Kikuchi. <sighs> Okay, yeah, that's that was Love for Chris it. Towers. All right, listen, do something creative. A song, a poem, limerick, whatever it is, send it to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Put podcast league in the subject line. Let's talk um, more about breakouts, and let's do it right after this short break. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Okay, Heath Cummings, dazzle us with a breakout. Yeah, I'll go with one more pitcher, and it's somebody that I think Chris and I kind of disagree on, so it'll make it even more fun. I'm going to go with Jack Flaherty, who has been awesome so far this spring, was pretty good last year, and there are some reasons to question whether he can keep that up with the control issues that he's had. But I don't see, looking at his track record, a serious reason to think he's always going to have control problems. And if he can miss bats like he did last year and just have average control on a very good Cardinals team in a very good pitcher's park, he struck out 230 batters between AAA and the majors last year. I don't know that he can get quite there, but I do believe he could be a 190-inning, 220-strikeout guy with a low 3 ZRA and 15-plus wins. Should Jack Flaherty be going ahead of Jamison Tyone, Jose Barrios, uh, I would rather two. have him ahead of those two pitchers. I do think they're in a similar range, but I prefer Flaherty because I think he has more upside. I don't know that you I can reasonably see a way where Jamison Tyone is striking out 220 hitters, uh, 
right. possibly Barrios, but I do think Flaherty has more upside. I, Tyone and Brios are both safer. All right, Scott, breakout. I'm going to go with the pitcher as well, and I'm kind of sad I have to do this because I feel like the breakout already happened, and yet it's clear to me that nobody's quite buying into it the way I am, and that's Herman Marquez, who was a completely different pitcher for about the final. It, it was even like dividing it into halves doesn't even quite do it justice because it, it really started even before the all-star break uh, where he took an ace turn. And when I say ace, I'm talking about tip top high end of the the pitcher ranks. He was up there with guys like Jacob deGrom and Aaron Nola from that point forward in, in, in terms of fantasy scoring. He made an adjustment last year. Basically, he had been telegraphing his breaking balls his whole career, slowing down his arms so that it was apparent he was throwing a breaking ball, figured out how to move the arm through at the same speed that he does with his fastball, which is really good fastball, and uh, everything just took off. His strikeout rate was uh, approaching... 12 per nine during that that stretch his era was in the low to mid twos and he was pitching deep into games seven innings consistently for herman marquez i i i think he's I, I think he's awesome i think he's an ace i think the fact that you can get him in uh round eight of a lot of leagues i think is a huge win for you because anytime you can find a pitcher who's demonstrated ace ability for any stretch of his career, it's it's a rare find beyond beyond like that that early group of pitchers. You just there's just not a lot of pitchers who emerges that in season anymore. Um, I think people look at the full season stats, the ERA close to four, and are like, okay, there's there's still the Colorado issue going on here, but it really wasn't. Once he figured it out, the home and away splits were both awesome, and it was it was. It was not one of those situations where full season stats are more indicative than, than half season stats because there was a clear transformation that happened here midway. And he's still a full season. I mean, he's 377 ERA, but 230 strikeouts in 196 innings. Those last 13 starts, 225 ERA, and nine of his last 13 starts, seven or more innings for Armand Marquez. But he, you know, Scott has Marquez 17th. He has him three spots ahead of Jack Flaherty. Heath, you have Marquez 25th. You have him behind Barrios, Tyone, Severino, Chris Archer. So is it the course Field thing for you? It's mostly the course Field thing. It's also that his stretch of dominance wasn't very long compared to his complete track record. I just don't know that it's fair to expect him to be that dominant going into this year. Okay. Um, I'll get Chris's uh, take on some of these breakouts in a second. Let's do one more round, and then I'll bring Chris in. Scott, give me one more breakout. Heath, give me one more breakout. And then Chris Towers gets to do, do his thing. So my breakouts list is littered with Colorado Rockies, which <laughs> probably means we're going to pick them to win the division this year. But David Dahl is another one of my favorite outfielders to draft. Uh, not really any concerns about playing time anymore. The job is his. And if you just translate out last year's numbers, he had 16 home runs in what amounts to half a season at bats. So potential 30 homer guy right there. But then you consider four course field, which has a way of giving the typical batter a 350 Babbitt because the outfields are so big because they have to push the wall so far back. Uh, it, it ends up being a place where balls drop in with much greater frequency than any other park. Like Dahl for the environment had bad Babbitt luck last year. So I think you can expect another 20 points on the batting average as well. And you add it all up and you're looking at Kind of like another Charlie Blackman there in their outfield. This is a guy with a great pedigree. We've been waiting a long time for him to break out. There have been injuries that have slowed him down. But I think now is finally the time for David Dahl to be everything we've long hoped he could be. And I'll just say in Scott's breakouts column, there are three outfielders that are going, you know, in the same range. There's Puig, there's Dahl, and Conforto. And I'd love to have one, if not two of them, on... You know, all of my teams, Puig, Dahl, and Conforto. I personally, I, I put Puig last, but how would the three of you guys, Scott, I'll start with you. How would you rank Puig, Dahl, and, and Michael Conforto? 
I think I would go Puig one because there's a greater speed element there than the other two, followed by Dahl and followed by Conforto. Chris, how about you? I think that's an appropriate ranking. I think they're all very similar. Um, Puig probably has the highest floor uh, just because we've seen him be a power speed threat the last couple of years. Dahl, if he just plays, he should be pretty good. Ian Desmond was good last year, and he's not very good. I think David Dahl's a better hitter with the potential for you know, similar power and speed. Yeah, I've got all three of these guys within eight spots in my overall top 300, so they're very, <laughs> very close. I would actually go Dahl, then Puig, then Conforto. I do think Dahl has the most upside just because, of course, field. And, again, he could steal just as many bases as Puig this year. All right, Heath, give me a breakout. So Scott's giving us uh, two Rockies, Ramon Marquez and David Dahl. You gave us Jack Flaherty. I think you should probably give us another Cardinal then. Well, it didn't work out to get Chris riled up saying Jack Flaherty. So well, I didn't have the opportunity I'm, to respond. I'm going to do something else that he doesn't <laughs> like and say a player that hasn't even played yet. I'm going to say Eloy Jimenez is my breakout. And I, I really think after this injury to Vlad Guerrero, we should consider that Eloy Jimenez should be the first rookie taken in drafts. He was absolutely awesome. In fact, better than Vlad at AAA, better than Vlad at high A. I'm not saying he's necessarily going to be better than Vlad for his entire career. I think he might be better than Vlad this season. 355 batting average in AAA, an OPS over 900 in both high A and AAA. He's got more power than Vlad does. Maybe not quite the same average, but I still think he's got a chance to hit over 300. Very good park for him. Shouldn't be a bad lineup as long as he's in the middle of it, right behind Abreu. I expect huge things from Eloy as soon as the White Sox call him up. Okay, Chris. The word breakout means nothing. <laughs> We've just accepted that it's just player I like. And you like Eloy Minute. I love. Yeah. You know what I, I think the difference between a sleeper and a breakout is? Not every, there are exceptions. Oh, we're going to do this again. I think, <laughs> I think that we expect breakouts to finish among, you know, close to the elites as, as let's say top 50 players. And we don't expect the same from sleepers. They're more like top 100 players. I, I would, I would say that as far as players that I reasonably believe could have a second round or higher ADP next year, there is no player with a lower ADP right now than Eloy Jimenez. It is really low. I, I don't get it. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, it's 124th. Vlad Guerrero sucked all the, the oxygen out of the room and, and it's weird because we had two great fantasy rookies last year. Yes, Vlad Guerrero's production was historic, but Eloy Jimenez's production has been really, really good, uh, especially the last couple of years. He he cut his strikeout rate, and the raw power is huge. So I get why Vlad Guerrero has been ranked higher, but at this point we probably see Eloy a little earlier. Um, I think Vlad's the better player, but the gap is wide. So here's the only problem, Heath, with with – Eloy Jimenez and saying that he's going too late. Uh, the outfielders that are going in front of him are basically Puig, Dahl, Conforto, and then some others. Aaron Hicks, uh, Victor Robles, like speed guys, Victor Robles and uh, Malik Smith. Like, why in the world would Victor Robles be going ahead of Eloy Jimenez? Speed, steals. Stolen bases are scarce. Eloy's not going to steal any bases. Would I mean, you he's take a really big prospect? Well, too, you could right? draft, and he has draft a job Billy Hamilton. Would would you take uh, Eloy over Puig, Conforto, and Dahl? I would take Eloy over every name that you have said. <laughs> would you take him over Trout? I think Trout or Trout or Eloy. I'll, this year I'll take Trout. <laughs> we'll see next year. I do think Robles has more fantasy upside than Eloy Jimenez, just because Eloy Jimenez, in the best case scenario, is a four category contributor. If he steals two bases, that'll be a pretty successful season for him. Um, Robles has the potential to be a power hitter. He's got the potential to be a true five-category guy like Trey Turner. Like I, I think that is a realistic upside for him, and that just that edges out a guy who could be a really good hitter. I mean, I, we're, I like we're ta- we're talking about are, guys. He's hit ten home runs at the most at any point in his like. Yeah, there's a possibility. Like it's never not played, a reasonable but he's upside. Like never played more than eighty-five games in a season. Played one hundred and fourteen in two thousand. And how many did he hit? Ten. That's I, I mean, that I'm willing goes to out bet. to fifteen. That's not I'm a contributor when you get 15 Let's get home Scott in there. Let's get Scott in there. Go ahead. I'm, I'm willing to bet Reyes will have, will eventually uh, emerge Ro- as a Robles? 20 homer Robles? guy. I mean, Robles. I'm sorry. Yeah, Robles well, will eventually emerge as a 20 homer guy. Uh, and 
but I, I have, like, if they were, if you give both of them the same timetable this year, I think Jimenez is closer to being an impact player in the majors. But then there's the element of, okay, we don't know exactly when he's coming up. Robles opening day roster in all likelihood. And yeah, the speed scarcity, which makes a difference in, in categories league. Uh, points leagues, I don't think there is much justification to take Robles ahead of Jimenez. Yeah, and, and I would say, like, the best, if we want to put, like, a best-case scenario on both of them, is it, like, Trey Turner versus Freddie Freeman? Like, if Elo Jimenez is a consistent 300 hitter with 25 to 30 homers, and I I think rushing, that would be... Yeah, I think Eloy may have more raw homer potential than Freeman. Sure, but, yeah, what what's the... I don't know what the comp is in that range, because he's not going to be Paul Goldschmidt. He's not going to steal bases. No. Such but either way, like Trey Turner's been a little bit disappointing for fantasy. And he's still clearly more valuable than well, Freddie Freeman. Well, he's valuable in theory, uh, but he actually really hasn't been, other than his rookie year, I'd say, more valuable than Freddie Freeman. I, I guess you could debate it. Like last year, he certainly wasn't. But, you know. Well, we're drafting him we are, 15 to 20 spots higher. I have him back-to-back. Yeah, because just, we keep hoping for more we than hope he's for it. Right, right. Exactly. Delivered. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get back to some more breakouts here. And by, that is just such a great range of outfielders. Like you have to, you have to live in that range. You have to get involved there because Michael Brantley is also in there. Uh, even Will Myers isn't so bad, but uh, you know, again, Conforto, Puig, Dahl, uh, Brantley, Pollock. who? Pollock. Pollock. Yes, yes. Aaron Hicks and points leagues. Oh my God, I love Aaron Hicks and points leagues. I think he's a legit breakout. Uh, particularly in that format. Scott, give me another breakout. We'll get two more from each of you, and then we'll read some emails, and then we'll do the breakout on meter and Team Name Tuesday and all that good stuff. But let's uh, try to pick up a little bit here on the pace. Scott, go ahead with the breakout. Two more. I came here with four. That's fine. I got a whole column full of them. <laughs> Jordan Hicks. I mentioned yesterday when we were talking about sleepers that Matt Barnes' emergence for the Red Sox has provided me with a late-round closer that I – didn't think I'd be able to find just a month ago. Well, Jordan Hicks is the other one because I think he is in for a, a huge breakthrough as the Cardinals closer, not just with the role there, but also in terms of how effective he is. The numbers last year, kind of lackluster, but he did overtake a role this Chapman as the hardest thrower in baseball, averaging about 102, averaging 102 on his four-seam fastball. And they're raving about the slider this spring. He has been striking out everybody in sight. He uh, had a stretch there where he struck out like of his six recorded outs, seven were strikeouts. You know, there was a wild pitch, so he got an extra one in there. Uh, he's, he's really been lighting it up. And though they've said they'll play matchups in the late innings to some degree, Andrew Miller there being the left-hander, it, it sounds to me like a similar situation to uh, Cody Allen and Andrew Miller in Cleveland, where Allen was still basically the closer. I think that's how it'll go. I, I see, uh, I see, um, uh, Jordan Hicks getting 30 plus saves this year and potentially striking out 100 batters. Heath Cummings, give me a breakout. I'm going to go way high end for this one and just to tell you about a guy who we thought was going to be a first round pick and probably will be next year. I think it's Carlos Correa. All he has to do is stay healthy. And do what he was doing in 2017, kind of what he was doing at the beginning of the year before he got hurt last year. And I still think that he has the potential to be in points leagues, the number one shortstop overall. He's falling to the fourth, maybe even fifth round in some drafts. He seems like he's healthy right now. He's in a great lineup, could give you 220 runs plus RBI and give you some power and maybe even a little bit of speed as well. Carlos Correa in uh, 2017. He played only 109 games, but his 155-game pace was 315 with 34 home runs, 119 RBIs, 117 runs, and three steals. He would have been the number one shortstop in points leagues um, in that year if he had He'd played. He'd been close to the number one player with those numbers. 583, 583 fantasy points, yeah. He probably would have been a top-five player uh, hitter anyway. So Correa, yes, please just stay healthy. What's better value, do you think, Carlos Correa in the fourth round? Or let's let me look up Corey Seager. Corey Seager in like the sixth or seventh round, seventh round, I believe. Uh, yeah, I beginning would, of the I would still rather have Correa. I think it, it Correa definitely has. I don't think Corey Seager is going to be a first round pick uh, next year. Corey, Carlos Correa could be, um, but I do think 
Seager has fallen a bit too far, given that they both have injury concerns. I think Correa is better, um, but he may not run that much anymore. And so if the ceiling is 8 to 10 stolen bases, that makes it a little closer because I think Corey Seager could be a, a true 300 hitter moving forward. All right, Heath, one more breakout, please. Yeah, I'll go with one more high-end guy. Let's, and I'm going to put him in my column just because somebody needs to. How about Trey Turner just actually lives up to what we've been expecting from him for the last couple of years? They've talked about him running 75 to 80 times within the season. This could be a 60-steal season for a guy that I still believe has the potential to hit close to 300 and score a ton of runs at the top of that lineup. Oh, I'm so tempted to take him fourth overall in my Roto League. I think I'm going to go with Arenado, but I'm so tempted to take Trey Turner. Uh, but boy, what a bad taste he left in people's mouths last year. Scott, your final breakout. When he led the majors in steals. Yeah, but he was a bust. Ironically, but yeah. he was a minor bust. I'll throw another Rockies at you. Oh. A Rocky at you. What? And another Rockies pitcher at that. And what I was saying about Herman Marquez, about finding that combination of potentially elite ratios, while also giving you a huge workload, uh, is, is so rare beyond the elite class. Well, John Gray, I think, fits that description as well. Had some weird stuff going on with his uh, arsenal. Apparently lost conviction with his fastball, and it impacted his slider, which was his best pitch, and he spent some time in the minors, and he had issues with runners on base, and just a lot of little things added up to an ERA over five. But that was with a 408 FIP. His strikeout rate was still one of the best, among qualifying pitchers, swinging strike rate, still one of the best. The stuff is still great. He has looked a lot better this spring. The slider looks like it's back to its old form. And even as bad as he was last year with that ERA over five, uh, you know, he ended up making, he ended up making 31 starts. More than half of them, he went six plus innings. And that was with all the early hooks in those starts where he just got throttled. So definitely somebody who, Shows the ability to take on a big workload. I, I like to hit all as many pitchers as I can from with with that skill set throughout the course of the draft because I think those are the ones with the best chance of having uh, emerging as ace like pitchers. I think Gray's a really good example of what can go wrong with Herman Armand Marquez as well. Um, you can't ignore the cores effect. It doesn't matter how talented the pitchers are. And John Gray is extremely talented. I think in a different context, he could be a top 15 pitcher, but the best he's ever done with his ERA compared to his FIP was his ERA being half run higher than his FIP. Most, mostly it's been a full run higher. And so the skill set is great, but there is just no margin for error when you pitch a course field. If you're off just a little bit, you're going to be hammered. And that's the thing that you can't you can't just ignore with these pitchers is yes, the Rockies have talented pitchers, but there is a really slim margin for error. The same reason we like David Dahl and the same reason we like Garrett Hampson and, and all these young guys in Colorado is the same reason why there's a lot of risk with the Rockies pitch. I do still like gray where he's being taken. Cause I think he's good enough that you could almost draft him at that spot and just start him on the road and make a profit. You're you're not wrong about Coors Field, and that's that's something I've argued for years. Anytime somebody expressed enthusiasm about a Rockies pitcher, but John Gray, you know the home away splits have been consistently even. He's he's actually, you know, most of the time he's actually been a little better at home. So I don't think that was his issue last year, and I I think it's a different talent level for Gray and Marquez than. Uh, we've seen for any Rockies pitchers, except for maybe Ubaldo Jimenez, but even then. Uh, you know, I, I I still think these guys are better than him, even. I mean, Ubaldo almost won a Cy Young, right? I know. It was I really know. good. I think these guys could, too. Okay, so just give me a one-word answer. John Gray or Nick Pavetta? Pavetta. John Gray. Pavetta. I like both. John Gray or Yusei Kikuchi? Kikuchi. Gray. Kikuchi. Gray. Uh, John Gray or Colin McHugh? Gray. Gray. McEwen points. Okay, McEwen points. All right, to recap then, Scott gave you Jesse Winker, Armand Marquez, David Dahl, Jordan Hicks, and John Gray. Heath gave you Shane Bieber, Jack Flaherty, Eloy Jimenez, Carlos Correa, and Trey Turner.
We got emails to read. We got the breakout meter. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com is the email address. It is team name Tuesday. Let's see how we like them. Ready? Here we go. Eloy Jetson. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Good. He doesn't like anything. Uh, a stretch. I, I've never actually owned these two players at the same time, but if I ever do, no Aaron, Aaron Nolado. No. <laughs> if it's hard to say, just kick it to Terrible. The Terrible. Like, you've got all day long to pick out emails. I, we get thousands of them. You couldn't pick out better team names than this? This is what we got. No, I like it. Okay. I like it. There's a there's a basketball one that I've had, which was Lamarcus Soldridge. That's not bad. All right, this no, one I, is. I'm on. I'm on board with that one. This one is supposed to be accompanied by an image of John Candy. Polka, polka, polka. That's a Home Alone. Polka, polka, polka. No. Uh. uh yeah. It's a deep cut. Mar- Marky Marquez. A terrible player and a worse name. <laughs> Marky Marquez of the Muncie Bunch. Yeah. Uh, this one we get a lot. Max Muncie. Like that funky Muncie. Yep. It's very uh, good, but it's, we have gotten that a lot. We've got that. Uh, apparently Heath and Chris will know this one, what it means. Chill fam. Chill fam. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's, it's a thing that the kids say, and we are the resident kids on the podcast, so. I'm the oldest guy here, but I guess I'm still well, yeah, but you, technically got, younger. You've got kids who, who, right. who right. own you. And I'm actually <laughs> younger than Scott and Adam. No, you're not. In most ways. In your that soul. is true. Uh, stripling. We're all souls, Adam. Stripling is no way to make a living. Stripling. I like that one. Okay, it's not really a team name; it's a sentence. And you say goodbye, and I say gallo. That's good. Very good. Okay. Solid. Excellent. Gallo. I have trouble. Not, with it. Not I don't really usually a... like mixing the two player names, but that one that one works pretty well. Not really a team name; more like a sentence. More like a song. Uh, it's it's concise enough. Uh, I have trouble singing on video, by the way. It's it's scary for me. Okay, time for emails. Someone named Morgan sent us four emails in a row that were all good. So I'm going to read them, and we're going to give quick answers on all four of these emails. Here we go. Freddie Peralta, any love for this guy? He was pretty interesting last year. Not so is... a rotation spot, right? Yeah, so is Brandon Woodruff. So is Corbin Burns. All very interesting. I would love to see them all in and somebody like zach davies out but that doesn't seem to be the plan at the start okay don't draft freddie peralta uh i mean in a it'd have to be a deep league and where you're stashing a lot of future assets who you aren't expecting to contribute right away he freddie peralta is the Derek zoolander of of pitchers he throws one he has one pitch he throws the fastball like 75 percent of the time uh, should Brian Anderson be rostered in 15-team mixed leagues? 15-team probably. Yep. Okay. Is Yonder Alonso underrated? I can see 100 RBIs in a best-case scenario. No way. In a best-case scenario, RBI. yeah, but he's he's bad enough against lefties that it, it's pretty s- slim chances. Yeah, I mean, he's probably... I don't know how he... I've never seen him drafted, so I don't know where he's being drafted. And that tells me he's probably being underrated a little <laughs> bit, but he was pretty bad last year. Yonder Alonso, 326th overall. He's been bad basically every year but one, but he's never been in a hitter's park except for a little bit of time in Cincinnati. And now Alonso on the White Sox. Cleveland's a hitter's park. Yeah. Is it? It's not like Chicago, but... Yeah. Well, this is okay. Fine. Yeah. This is the best park that he's been in, uh, not including Cincinnati. Uh, okay. And uh, is that it? Oh, Jay Bruce. I haven't heard his name on the podcast yet. There has to be another thirty homer season uh, in his bat at some point. Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce is finally starting to get to the age where I felt he's been for the last five years. <laughs> he's still not there. He still isn't thirty-two yet, which blows my mind. I cannot believe that. Um, he's a youngin'. Are you, would, are you and Jay Bruce the same age? I, he he's a year older than me. I would he's have bet Jay Bruce plotting. was thirty two in like two thousand nine. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, what people forget about Jay Bruce because he was consistently, uh, I, I think, an underrated source of like thirty homers, ninety plus RBI. Uh, he was his season was wrecked last year by plantar fasciitis. So I don't. I'm not just willing. I'm not assuming it was decline, age-related decline, especially since he's yeah still not that old. Uh, I I think there's, I think there's deep sleeper appeal here. It did uh, not sound like 
before the Kyle Seeger injury, it did not sound like Jay Bruce was guaranteed every day at bats. I'm still not sure he's going to play against lefties. Okay, well, that would be a problem. But, yeah, maybe there's still something left in that bat for Jay Bruce, who feels like he's older than Heath. But, you know, nobody's older than Heath. Um, this is an email he's from— He's not older than any of them. <laughs> oh, Chris. Yeah, he's older, he's older than me. Jonathan Harris in New Orleans. I have the opportunity to pick my draft spot. My options are 3 through 10. What should I do? 3. Don't overthink it. 3. When I had the opportunity to pick, I chose 3. We get this question a lot. But it depends if you like Jose Ramirez. If you don't like Jose Ramirez, then don't. I think Jose Ramirez in a points league is so super safe. That you should go, th- you should take three in a points league in a roto league. I think he's safe in either form. Well, he's yes, he is, but I don't. I yeah, I think I'm fine with it, but in a points league for sure. Because yeah, no, he, right. There are some people who don't like Jose Ramirez. He was pretty bad the last six weeks of last season, and they worry about that. I'm not one of them, but you know, I don't want to. I don't want to tell him to pick third, and then he does something like take, you know, Nolan Arenado or whatever. Uh, okay, this is from Brian. Christian Yelich looks like he had a great second half, but prior to that, his points per week were not all that hot. Everyone expects Yelich's numbers to regress. Aaron Judge, meanwhile, as it's pointed out, was having a continuation for the most part of his 2017 season before his injury. To me, Yelich over Judge in nearly all rankings is recency bias, and Judge is the better play. Do you agree? Oh, I do. I yeah, I probably should. I, I do, keep I do calling him a regression league. candidate and then not moving him down far <laughs> enough in my rankings. But like he, he he was on pace for a really good season before that second half. It was something like twenty homers, twenty steals, two ninety two average. Yelich. But if he had yeah. done that for the whole season, we wouldn't be ranking him as a first round pay, player. It's right. all about those last seventy or so games where we're moving him up from a second or third round guy. Uh, into the elite tier of hitters. And I just, I think that's an overreaction. It's, it's 70 games. Yes, it was a better park. Yes, we were expecting him to improve. It's still 70 games that we're basing this whole thing on. Yeah, I'm still ranking Yelich ahead. You know, my philosophy in the early rounds, just don't mess it up. And even though I'm much more confident in Judge than I was a year ago, I, I still think it, he has a very, very, small margin for error with that strikeout rate and if either of these is just going to go belly up it's it's going to be judge yeah i I like judge better in an obp league um because yeah i mean yelich will have a great obp but so will judge whereas yelich has an obvious advantage over him in batting average where it's probably going to be pretty similar i might give the edge to judge and obp but it'd be pretty similar yeah, standard five by five. I mean, you got Yelich contributing in all five categories, and Judge potentially hurting you. Well, definitely, well, potentially hurting you in two. He hasn't hurt you in batting average yet. Yeah, but not he's yet. not going to stand out like a lot of the guys going in that range. What two seventy hitter? Roughly. And I do think like Yelich, not all home run totals are a help in home runs. I do think Yelich is probably more of just an average slot in home runs. I don't expect him to be a positive contributor. So what's your over under for Yelich home runs? Twenty nine and a half. Oh no, oh, I'd hit the under on that. For no, sure. no, twenty five is that the mo- probably twenty four. I think twenty four point five is a good place to set it, and I think most people would. would take the over. I would definitely take the over. I'm setting it at twenty nine and a half. <laughs> yeah, I, too high. All right, we got to get to the breakout meter. So I just want to read one more email. It's from Blake in Santa Barbara. Uh, you devoted a whole segment to Tyler Skaggs last week and did not play the drop of my three-year-old singing it like you. Uh, am I experiencing my first illusions as a parent, thinking something my kid does is way cooler than it actually is? Anyway, I've attached the file again. Emiko won't be offended if you write back and say it's lame. She can't read yet. Well, it's not lame, Blake. Here is Blake's daughter uh, with an I'm going to Tyler Skaggs. Enjoy. I'm going to Tyler Skaggs. <laughs> I love that it. That's phenomenal. Much better that than that. That has much, to be the drop for sure every better. time. Yes. I'm gonna tie your skag. <laughs> much better than mine. Alright, breakout O'Beater. We'll finish the show. I'm gonna give a couple of uh, high end first baseman slash outfielders. Hoskins will get that uh first base eligibility quickly. Cody Bellinger, Reese Hoskins. The the odds that they break into the first round uh in two thousand twenty, what do you think for them? 
a hire for Bellinger, um, mm-hmm. but not particularly high. I don't. Are we supposed to be giving a number or a percentage? Four. Or, uh, I mean, you should give a number, but I think I have to phrase some of the questions differently. On a scale of what? <laughs> don't worry 11. about. Don't worry about the meter for for Bellinger and Hoskins. What do you think their first round potential is? I think it's really hard for Reese Hoskins to get there. I love his profile, but I think he's probably never going to be a huge help in batting average, and he's not going to steal bases. And once you get to that point, like better Jose Abreu maybe is the upside, and I don't think that's a first round player. I think I'd put Bellinger at a three and Hoskins at a like a one point seven five. Okay, uh, two pitchers: Jamison Tyone, Luis Castillo. Do you do you like their chances to really break out and become? I don't think they're going to be like you know first, second, third round picks, but get into the uh, fourth, fifth round, that kind of right after the A's. I know, I know it's not that big of a jump, but uh, no, you know what? Forget it. Tyone and Castillo, do they have ace potential? <laughs> I like uh, Tyone's yes. chances better. I, I think actually Tyone would be more of a Granky-like ace when uh, Luis Castillo could be a Severino-type ace, but obviously Tyone's safer. Kind of kind of a similar situation to Bellinger and Hoskins. Yeah, I don't... I I, I think we saw the Jamison Tyone breakout. I don't know what I see beyond what he did last year, unless he has a really good year in terms of wins or something. So I'm going to say a, a one on Tyone. Castillo is a lot cheaper, and it would be a lot bigger of a jump for him. Um, but I'll give him a two. The breakout jump for Tyone would be he figures it out on April or March 29th rather than May 30th. Well, it was pointed out to me on Twitter that Tyone, someone said, look at his numbers after he added a slider. And that was 22 yeah, was starts. 30th, okay, yeah, 22 starts, 271 That's- ERA. And 131 strikeouts in 139 and two thirds, 12 and six. Was that someone at CT? No. C. What, what is your C Towers CBS? C Towers. What are you going to change your? You've been on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Nixon for too long. Like let's it's get a new It's only been one. a few months. I kept I kept uh, boys and girlies in America for nearly the entire football season. Well, that's laziness. I don't know I, what to I say. I hate when he changes his name because I'm like. <laughs> is this guy populating my Twitter timeline? Where did he come from? Oh, it's Chris. Yeah, just assume if it's something you've never heard of. It's probably me making an (laughs) indie band name reference. All right, breakout potential for Ozzy Albies, getting to uh, that next level, becoming a true stud. Ozzy Albies. Uh, Yeah, I'm not betting on it this year, but it's... I think he has second-round upside. Um, he has to not sell out for power like he did last year, and he has to run more. But he I, yeah, I think it comes from not hitting for as much power, but hitting for a better average, improving his plate discipline, and stealing twenty-five to thirty bases. All right, now we really have to finish the show. Um, we're up against uh, Off the Bench is going to be recording a podcast soon in the studio, and make sure you listen to the Off the Bench podcast with Canell and Bell. It is awesome, great show. So I'm going to give a name. You guys tell me 0 to 10. How likely are they to truly break out this year? Mitch Hanniger. Two. Four. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Come on. He already broke out. What is he? What more is he supposed to do? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario. Zero. Zero, yeah. Uh, I'll give him a one. Matt Chapman. 962 OPS after the All-Star break. Matt Chapman. Yeah. If it wasn't for I, the injuries, I'd say five. I'll go four. I, I yeah, really I, I, he's already playing, right? Yeah, but he's still coming. But it, it's possible because it was a thumb and a shoulder, right? I'm gonna say six. Wow. Uh, Max Muncy. Seven. Max Muncy. This is I an like, interesting list of guys that broke out last year. <laughs> well, no, I mean <laughs> it's guys who will take the next fantasy. That's a thing. In, in terms of fantasy uh, utility, I mean. The, he has to play more than he did in the second Zero half. Zero to last ten, year Max Muncy. Virtually every lefty. Zero to Four. ten, Max So Muncy. I'm going to give him seven. I'm going to give him a seven. Rafael Devers. Five. It's like six, but with a wide error bar. I, I find myself yeah. drafting him a lot because I think you want to be there when it, when he figures it out. It's a lot like Nomar Mazara. Devers. Okay. I'll go five. Gregory Polanco. Two. 
eight in the second half. I just think he could get off to a really slow start. Okay, two, eight, and five. That makes sense. Jackie Bradley Jr. Six. Three. Randall Grichik. Three. Four. Uh, I will go five. Tyler Glass now. Seven. Nine. Eight. There you go. Beautiful. What a way to end it. Tyler Glass now. He actually is in Scott's breakouts column. Uh, right? Yes. Yes, yes he, he is. is. Thank you, Scott White, Heath Cummings, Chris Towers. Tomorrow we'll talk about busts, Thursday, AL only, NL only. I'm trying to line up a draft for Friday's show, so stay tuned. Remember to email us, put Podcast League in the subject line, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We're out. We'll talk to you tomorrow.